movie lines is from the movie White Christmas, which Jenny and I watch every December. And I love the scene in the movie where Bing Crosby says, even little Judy's got an angle going. Everybody's got an angle. Surely you knew that everybody's got a little larceny operating in them. Everybody's got an angle. Um, Do you believe that people have an angle or work an angle to get something they want or to kind of manipulate you to do something that they want or they prefer? Do you believe that sometimes people have an angle that they're working? Ever had somebody call you that has a tremendous opportunity with long distance? (laughs) Tupperware? (laughs) Let's just pick something, okay? A few years ago, I had a chamber acquaintance ask to uh, have lunch with me, and they said they wanted to get to know me better. And so we sit down to lunch, and 20 minutes into the lunch, it was obvious to me, oh, you don't don't want to get to know me. You have this big event coming up in the fall, and you want to leverage all the connections that I have in the community for your event. That's what you want. You're not interested in me. And so every time this person comes up to me ever since, hey, Max, how are you doing? I think to myself, "Uh, I don't think you mean that question. Like, I don't know that I can trust you working an angle person. Uh, I run into a lot of young people who are working jobs right now where they're having to do shifts, right? They work shifts. And so they tell their manager, they tell their shift manager, their scheduling manager, I got a wedding. I got a family event this coming Saturday. You can't schedule me this coming Saturday. And what happens? You know what happens? What happens? They're scheduled. They're scheduled. And then they're like, how could you schedule me, Darren? I told you I had a wedding. I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, we just, you know, Susie was sick and blah, blah, blah. And we just knew you could come in, right? And so the young person, what do they conclude? My manager, my company, they do not care about me as a person. They only care about what I'm doing for them and what I'm doing for the company. See how this works, okay? So you understand what I'm talking about. I've run into a lot of people over the years who have that same story when it comes to churches. They were in a church and they served and served and served and served and then they found out too late that the church didn't care about them as a person. The church only cared about what they were doing for the church or what they were giving uh, to the church. How many of you adults have been used by a friend, a family member, a coworker. They just needed you to work a shift. They needed a set of tickets. They needed a favor. Like they weren't, you know, all the adults are shaking their heads right now, teenagers. <laughs> yeah. And how did that feel? It felt crummy, man. So here's what I want you to know. Jesus doesn't seek to get anything out of the sheep. Let me say that again. Jesus does not seek to get anything out of the sheep. So Jesus is God. We believe in this congregation, Jesus is God. And that when Jesus says something, God is saying something. When Jesus does something, God is doing something. When Jesus feels something, he is expressing exactly how God feels about it. And in John's gospel, Jesus makes several statements about who he is and how he sees himself. And we call them the I am statements, if I can back up here. Well, goodness, there it is. Okay. So several I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. 
I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And when Jesus is saying these things, he's saying something about himself. And one of the things that he says is, I am the good shepherd. So we're going to be in John's gospel again today. And I'm going to read several sections. And so for this part, would you mind standing to your feet in anticipation that maybe God is going to say something to you? Okay, so would you stand to your feet? This is John 11, uh, John 10, verses 11 through 18. Okay, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold and I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so that I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. Thank you. You may be seated. Jesus is talking about sheep and shepherds. And in the Old Testament, kings and leaders of Israel were often called shepherds. People who were supposed to protect and defend and guide the people. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, God speaks through the prophet and says some things about these shepherds. And this is what God says. A message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, you wear the wool, you butcher the best animals, but you let your flock starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended to the sick or bound up the injured. You've not gone looking for those who've wandered away and are lost. Instead, you've ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd and they're easy prey for any wild animal. And then he says this, as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'll judge between one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep from the goats. Isn't it enough for you to keep the best of the pasture land for yourselves? Must you also trample down the rest? Isn't it enough for you to drink clear water for yourselves? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Why must, you, uh, why must my flock eat what you've trampled down and drink the water that you have fouled? So there, there's an expectation that shepherds and even the sheep will protect and defend and guide and care for one another. And God is saying in Ezekiel that not only are the shepherds bad shepherds, but some of the sheep are bad sheep. Now in the Bible, there, the, there's a different word used for bad sheep. A bad sheep isn't called a sheep, it's called a what? A goat. A bad sheep in the Bible is called a goat, okay? Jesus will talk about 
separating, when he comes back to judge the world, he will separate people into two groups, sheep people and goat people, right? This is something that the Bible talks about regularly, okay? And so last week, last week we uh, were in the first part of John chapter 10, and we talked about what it means to be in a sheepfold and what that looks like, and that the shepherd is in fact the door to the sheepfold. I tell you the truth, this is John 10, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. So this is speaking to the fact that a good shepherd cares for his sheep. And Jesus then picks it up and he says, yes, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is saying that he's not like the Pharisees, the bad shepherds on the scene at the time. In John chapter 9, there's a man who is born blind, uh, a man who is born blind, and Jesus heals him. And what do the shepherds do to this man? They kick him out of church. They kick him out of the synagogue. You know, but what good shepherds should do? Well, you're healed, and we don't like the guy that healed you, so out you go. <laughs> and so Jesus is not like that. Um, Jesus shows mercy. Jesus is a good shepherd. And if we go back to Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter uh, 34, uh, this is what uh, God promises. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I'll find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. I'll bring them back home to their own land of Israel. I'll feed them on the mountains and by the rivers and in the places where people live. I will give them good pasture land on the hills of Israel. And they'll lie down in pleasant places and feed in lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace. And I will search for my lost ones who strayed and I'll bring them safely home. I'll bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I'll feed them. Oh yeah, I'll feed them justice. So if some of you are like high justice oriented, you should read through the prophets, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah. They speak your language, okay? And you can feel some of the ferocity and passion that God has for how things are supposed to be. So in this metaphor, God is the shepherd and we're the sheep. Now, if you'll remember the video from last week, sheep, are sheep smart or dumb? Dumb. Sheep don't have the sense to come in from the rain. Sheep can get tangled up in thickets eh, and they're stuck. Sheep, sheep are just, they need a shepherd. And then their wool can get too much and they've got to be cleaned and straightened and shaved and all this kind of stuff. So sheep need a shepherd. In 2005, in the nation of Turkey, there were uh, a group of shepherds that had a flock of nearly 1,500 sheep if you can imagine it, okay? So 1,500 sheep and all these little shepherds, and they decided that they were gonna, they wanted some coffee, and so they went into town to take a coffee break. And the little sheep went up to a precipice, a cliff, 
that had a steep, you know, valley, and one by one, <laughs> the first 450 sheep that went over the cliff died. The rest of the sheep that went over the cliff, there was enough fluff to break their fall, and they didn't die, okay? This is sheep. <laughs> sheep do these kinds of things. This is you and me. And, and so shepherds provide safety. Shepherds lead sheep to pasture and to food. And shepherds protect sheep at night, okay? Uh, Tim Keller reports that sheep won't even lie down until they're free from fear, troublemakers, hunger, thirst, and active harassments, okay? We have this tendency, though, we have this tendency to forget that God is with us. Because we're Americans, because we live in 2022, we have this tendency to think that life's up to us. We got to make things happen. We got to solve these problems. We got to fix this medical thing. We got to do this job thing. We got to do this relationship thing. And so, you know, we, we forget that God is actually with us. And we live life as though we're on our own, as though everything's up to us. And we tend to forget Easter morning. We tend to forget that the good shepherd not only laid down his life, but took it back up again, that death itself is defeated. So what exactly do we have to worry about? Like, but we worry, don't we? So Jesus says it very clearly. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, I've talked about this before where uh, I've outlined some of the predators that you have on the inside of you, right? So there are predators, not only, not every voice that you have in your head is your voice. Not every voice that you have in your head is God's voice. Sometimes the voices that you hear in your head are the voices of predators that are out to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, let, me, let me name some of them and verbalize some of them. Maybe these predators have talked to you in your home or when you're driving around. Who are you to do that? Who are you to start that blog, have that job? Who are you to think you can get out of debt? Who are you to think you can be a good parent? Your parents suck, you're going to suck too. Like Those are the kinds of things that predators will say to you. You're too late. You're too late. You've messed it up too much. Can't be made right. There's nothing you can do. It's gone. It's lost. It's irreplaceable, ir irrefixable. Or you're so stupid, so fat, so unlikable, so worthless. Again, another voice of a predator. Okay? And so the predator, predator we have these internal predators. What I want to say to you today is that because you live in America, outside these doors are predators. Outside these doors are predators. There are shepherds that are not shepherds. There are thieves and robbers out to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. And they may promise you things like a good life, all, you know, economic prosperity. I don't know what it is that they're promising, but the, there are predators outside the doors as well. But again, Jesus doesn't seek to get anything from the sheep. Jesus doesn't seek to get anything from the sheep. He's truly good. He laid down his life for his sheep. So in John chapter uh, 10, verses 14, he talks about some other things. He says, I'm, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. I have other sheep too that are not of the sheepfold and I'll bring them in also. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And some of you might not know, like, what is he talking about there? One flock, one shepherd, what is that? 
He, he's talking about that the kingdom of God, the family of God is going to be open to all the races and people of the world. Not just Jews, but Gentiles. Not just Jews, but Gentiles and Europeans and Africans and Asians and everybody who walks the, the, the planet, everyone. God's kingdom is going to be open to everyone. And there's a couple of important things here. In verse 15, just as my father knows me and I know my father, Jesus is saying, I cannot be oblivious to you in your needs any more than my father would be oblivious to me. And then in verse 18, uh, it goes down and he talks about the fact, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Okay? Um, his death is by the means by which this one flock will get created. His death is the means by which uh, we will be saved. We will be joined together. This shepherd doesn't carry a crook, but he carries a cross. This shepherd offers not just a field and stream, but his body and blood. This is a good shepherd. So I want to ask some questions, and I want to draw out this metaphor in a way that I've not drawn out at generations before. And I'll get to that in a minute. Before that, I have some questions to ask. Have you ever trusted someone only to find out that their concern was based on what you could do for them? Have you ever trusted someone only to find out that their concern was based on what you could do for them? And then, who would Jesus call thieves and robbers today? If Jesus were to show up on the scene in the United States of America, who might he get a little mad or testy with about because, <laughs> because they're being bad shepherds, because they're stealing, killing, and destroying. Who would Jesus call thieves today? And then lastly, um, what kind of person is Jesus? What do we see here in the Gospel of John? What kind of person is Jesus? Is Jesus a kind leader? Is Jesus a good shepherd? I ask these questions at a time when, look, we're Americans, we live in America, we're constantly getting a front row seat to where the rich and the leaders have one set of rules that apply to them, and then there's a set of rules that apply to everybody else. And the average person looks at that and says, that's wrong, that shouldn't be that way, right? You've got uh, points in culture where you've got some people that are making, what is it, 586 or a gazillion times the wages of the per lowest person in their organization, right? And there's issues of justice that people sometimes rattle the cages about. Um, but we get a front row seat to when uh, corporate CEOs uh, will ravage a company. So one of the things that happens in America today economically is that there are actually companies that come in, they'll buy a company, I'll just pick one. Uh, let's say they decide they're going to buy the Fazoli's food chain. So their only goal in buying the Fazoli's food chain is to sell off the assets and the property and the things, monetize it, and then fire all the people and let them go. Just so that they can make a buck and their investors can make a buck and then they end up destroying a company in the process. This happens all the time in America. I don't know if you know this, but it happens all the time, okay? What kind of person is Jesus? Is he like the kind of leaders that we tend to put on pedestals here in the United States? And I would say, no, he's so much better, and he's so different. 
So first and foremost, I want you to listen for the voice of Jesus. You've got to learn to hear his voice, okay? Jesus still speaks. He does. And he has some things he wants to say to you. If you're not sure where to, pl- where to start, I would, I would challenge you, spend some time either reading or listening to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because the voice of Jesus sounds very much like the voice of Jesus on the pages of those Gospels. Okay? Listen for the voice of Jesus. And then uh, test it. Okay? So I'm going to give you a test. I'm going to make some statements here, and I'm going to test your collective discernment. Okay, so is this the voice of Jesus or the voice of a robber? Okay, Max, you're such a terrible pastor. You suck. <laughs> okay, some of you are like, well, I want to say Jesus. Okay, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, uh, you're so stupid. Why do you keep doing that? Robber. Uh, I'm in you with, I'm with you in this, Jesus. You should talk to that person. Jesus. Yeah. See, so you're doing much better than you think. Look at that. That's an A. You get four out of four. That's 100% today. Okay? The second thing is to remember that God gives you what you need and not what you deserve. God gives you what you need and not when you deserve. Now, we Americans, we like the language of deserve. Well, I deserve a better life or a better marriage or a better car, whatever it is. And there's all these things that we think we deserve. And that's, let's set that aside for a moment. God gives us what we need and not what we deserve. In in the pages of the Bible, there's a man named David. And David, it said, has a heart that's just like God's. And what does he do? He makes love to a woman that isn't his wife. And then he has that woman's husband killed. How despicable a thing to do. And he's the king. He can have anything he wants, and he takes something that's not even his. And so what what David deserved in that moment was to get what was coming to him, to be punished, right? But what did God give David? Mercy. David deserved judgment, but he got mercy. And that's the same for you and me, right? God forgives us not because we're good people, not because we're better than our neighbors, which may or may not be true, <laughs> okay? God, God forgives us out of his mercy, not because we're good and we deserve it, okay? So God is unlike so many of the people that you meet in that God gives people what they need and not what they deserve, okay? All that leads me to what I, what I want to talk to you about today as a church family, Okay? And so I want to talk to you for a moment as your pastor. So, hi, generations. How are you doing? So I want to talk about, I want, to, I want to tickle out this metaphor about shepherding for a moment, okay? When it comes to shepherding, the way it typically works is that one shepherd has a flock of 35, 100, not much more than 100 and change typically, and then when you get to these bigger flocks, you got to have a lot more shepherds. One shepherd cannot shepherd a flock of a thousand sheep. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Too many sheep. Not enough shepherds. Okay? A shepherd leads sheep. Sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd leads. The shepherd leads uh, the sheep to places so that the sheep can eat. 
A shepherd leads people into a pen at night to keep them safe. Shepherding uh, works out really well for the sheep and often not so well for the shepherds, right? It's a tough job. Uh, the sheep wander off. You got to go get them. Sometimes they're injured. There's predators. And, and, you know, it's not the most glamorous thing in the world, okay? Now, ranching, ranching is entirely different from that. And if I can get my ranching picture up here. In a, in a ranching situation, um, the cattle aren't led by the, the, the cowboys. The cattle are what? They're driven. You go on a cattle drive. Hell, hell. And they got whips and guns and all kinds of things to get them cows where those cows need to go. And often a ranch is this huge thing with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of heads of cattle. And uh, the, the ranch owner does really, really well, makes out like a bandit. The hired hands that are out there with the cattle trying to get them to the places and all that stuff are usually not paid well. They're not really incentivized to kind of go rescue a cow that's in trouble or whatnot because all the cows are going to the same place. Where the, let's, let's acknowledge reality. Where are the cows going? Where are they being driven to go? The slaughterhouse. That's exactly right. That's where the cattle are being driven to go, the slaughterhouse, okay? In America today, one of my beefs with the ways in which one of, one of, the, one of my beefs with the way that we have done church is that too many churches in America have adopted a paradigm of ranching as opposed to a paradigm of shepherding. Now, I'm not talking about size. This isn't small versus big. This isn't, well, a church of 100 is better than a church of 1,000. It's not that at all. It has nothing to do with numbers. It has to do with how you're going about church, okay? Uh, Sky Jathani maps this out. He's written the book With, and he has this helpful diagram about bad shepherds, particularly within the church. And he says, so God gives these bad shepherds people and they equip them to become leaders so that they can expand their uh, institution and reach. Okay? Good shepherds, God gives them leaders to equip people to bless the world. And there's a difference. Okay? There's a difference. Um, it may be the case that you find yourself in a different state five or 10 years from now. And if that's, that's you and you're trying to find a church family, I wanna talk to you for a moment, okay? When you're going places, here's the reality. Some of them will have great music, some of them won't. Some of them will have great preaching, some of them won't. Some of them will have great facilities, some of them won't. None of that matters. None of it matters. What matters is you need to look around and you need to ask yourself, is this a ranch? Or, is, or are there shepherds on duty? Is there shepherding going on? Which, which thing is going on? And again, it doesn't have anything to do with size, but it has to do with how things are being done. And a question that you really ought to ask yourself is, am I seeing ranching or am I seeing shepherding? Um, in, a few years ago, I would get really frustrated and angry about this. So this is my confession part. So... From time to time, we've had people that have moved out of state, but we've also had people who've moved on to different churches, right, in greater Lexington. And what will happen is they won't realize it, but they find themselves in a ranch, and they don't know it. 
And the indicator is usually there's a wedding or a funeral and they don't have anybody really to do the wedding or the funeral. So they call good old Pastor Max, right? And I, when that would happen a number of years ago, I, I would actually get mad inside. I'd be like, why are you calling me? Why don't you call your new pastor? Right? And, you know, very Jesus-like attitude. And then the Holy Ghost would have to come in and go, Vanderpool, who do you work for? Get your, get your crapitude in line here. And I would have to repent and God, I'm so sorry. And okay. And then my therapist helped me recognize some things. He said, Max, come on. Sheep are sheep and you're a sheep too. You're also an under shepherd of Jesus, but you're in the same boat. And he said, you're framing this the wrong way. It's actually a good thing and it's a compliment. Here they are, they're at a point where it matters to have someone who knows the deceased relationally, that knows the bride and groom in some way, and who do they think to call? They call you. That's a compliment, right? And he said, quit getting all consternated about it. And <laughs> so I was like, okay, thanks, all right, got it. So I, that to me is an indicator. So I, I wanna say this to say this. As long as I'm the pastor of Generations Community Church, we ain't gonna become a ranch. I don't care how big we become. We may be a church of 500 someday, fine, it's not a problem. We're always gonna be a place that embraces shepherding over ranching. Because at the end of the day, you are better off being a sheep than a cow. <laughs> you are better off being a sheep than a cow, you just are, okay? All right, so again, Jesus doesn't seek to get anything out of the sheep. He's truly good. And I want you to see that of anything, if you've had bad experiences with your parents, so I'm gonna invite our musicians to come up. So why don't you go ahead and get in place. I know some of you've got, had bad parents who are pretty, uh, hypocritical, right? They did the whole, I love Jesus, yes I do. And they, they were just a moron. And you were like, oh, Quit faking it like that. I, this is, oh, and it created all kinds of internal angst, okay? I recognize that some of you have been in places where you've been in churches, right? Where they did the, I love, we love Jesus, yes we do. And then, you know, they killed and deported and sent off into oblivion, the youth pastor, the one person that loved you and, you know, right? And so you've taken those feelings and you've assumed that maybe God was the same way. God is not the same way. Jesus is a good shepherd. Jesus is a good shepherd. And the reason he's good is because he laid down his life for his sheep, just like a good shepherd would. And in that sense, he's trustworthy. You can trust him. It's right and good that you would trust Jesus. And it's also right and good that when Jesus speaks and tries to lead, it's good for you to follow. <laughs> I know we're all, not all great about following Jesus' lead, but I'm telling you right now, you're better off when letting, letting the good shepherd lead you.